Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Amokyo family. Now, if you combine everybody and family together, we get good morning, Amokyo body. Well, Dr. Chang last week reminded us that we are the body of Christ. And today, we will continue studying this body metaphor in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So it's right and proper for me to greet all of you. Good morning, Amokyo body. But don't worry, this time it won't be R-rated anymore. It's a long chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, so I will just read us the first 11 verses, but reference the rest of the passage in the sermon. So let me read from verse 1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not the sermon proper, but a couple of quick commentaries on these three verses. The word NIV used in verse 2, pagans, is actually ethnos, better translated as peoples, nations, or Gentiles. It's the same word used in Matthew chapter 28 in the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, of all peoples. So to the extent that the gospel has reached Corinth and that Paul is now discipling and instructing the Corinthians, Paul is really fulfilling the Great Commission. The second quick command here in verse 3 is that verse 3 is one of the litmus tests we use when it comes to testing the spirits. Now, this verse is not about whether one is able, you know, literally to read out and make those statements, but really whether one is able to worship Jesus as Lord. I'm pretty sure that if you just, you know, offer some random people on the street $100 to say Jesus is Lord, there will be some takers. Neither is this verse, you know, about using Jesus' name as a swear word as we see in many movies. Oh, Lord or Jesus. No, this verse is not about that at all. Rather, this verse is about testing the spirits, whether they are of God or not, in worship and in spiritual warfare. For true believers and worshippers, because the Spirit of God lives in us, we will never dare to utter Jesus because in a blasphemous way, because we revere, we honour, we love the name of Jesus. Evil spirits, on the other hand, they are by default antichrist by nature, and so they will never exalt Jesus in worship. So the Holy Spirit will always exalt Jesus as Lord and God, while the other evil spirits will never confess Jesus as Lord and God. So this verse is really about testing the spirits. And one of my personal favorite ways to test the spirits, so-called, using this concept, is this very common worship song. He is Lord, He is Lord. He has risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Only true believers will be able to worship Jesus as Lord. Now that's a bit of a digression. Let's come back to the text. Let's look at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Again, a quick commentary. We have the Trinity here, Spirit, Lord, and God. And we continue, verse 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
to one that is given through the Spirit, a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another, by the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. This is the Word of God. Come, let us pray. O Holy Spirit, we invite you to review your Word, your truths to us, O Lord. Indeed, Jesus, you have said in your Word that your Spirit that you send, the Holy Spirit, will guide us into all truth. So guide us, Holy Spirit, as we study your Word today. Fill us afresh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, people of my vintage will be very familiar with this cartoon series called Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with this cartoon series, there's a group of five friends. Essentially, they work together to fight against all kinds of pollutions in our world. So these five friends, they wear rings of differing abilities. There's earth, there's fire, there's wind, there's water, and there's heart, which enable them to overcome you know, certain challenges. But some tasks are so difficult, some pollutions so terrible that the group must put their powers together to call upon Captain Planet to save the day. And so this is the famous phrase, you know, each of them will say, Earth, fire, wind, water, heart. And the Captain Planet will say, by your powers combined, I'm Captain Planet. And then that's how the show basically goes on. This show emphasizes the need for a diverse group of individuals to work together in unity for the common good, for a common goal. Now that's the same message that Paul is teaching the Corinthians and God wants to remind us today. The first point for us to learn today is this, there may be different gifts, but it is the same spirit at work. Different gifts, but the same spirit from verses 4 to 11 as well as verses 27 to 30. So besides what we read earlier in verses 4 to 11, Paul also wrote at verse 27, now you, together collectively, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now in the Greek, these are rhetorical questions and the answer is a straightforward no. Not all are apostles. Not all are prophets. Not all work miracles. Not all have the gifts of healing. Not all speak in tongues. By the way, that is why the Methodist Church is not a Pentecostal church. Even though we do believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, a number of us, a sizable number of us here in the Mokyo family, I know, we pray in tongues, but we have never made it mandatory for everyone to pray in tongues. We do not see tongues as the only visible expression of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So we do believe in the gifts. We are not Pentecostal in the denomination. So remember I introduced this sermon with Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Well, just as all the Planeteers have differing abilities, so too Christians have differing spiritual gifts. The important thing to note is that all these spiritual gifts have a common source. 
verse 11 says that common source is the Holy Spirit. So the same Holy Spirit works in and through all kinds of spiritual gifts and distributes them as He chooses. Technically, this means that all spiritual gifts are accessible for every believer because all gifts come from the same source, the Holy Spirit who lives in each of us. And so technically, we can manifest all the gifts. But 1 Corinthians 12 has made it very clear that the Holy Spirit chooses to distribute the gifts as He determines. So the Holy Spirit is sovereignly God in that sense. Although I suspect that Paul partially made this point because he was concerned about the way the Corinthians were envious and jealous of each other's gifts. But it's clearly stated, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. He chooses to distribute the gifts as He determines. Not by our effort, but by His sovereignty. Second thing to note is that all these differing gifts are meant for the common good. Verse 7. Now notice where I'm preaching from today. Today I'm seated among the pews. And I deliberately chose not to preach from the pulpit. Why? Because I want to make this very strong point today. All of us are part of the body of Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. Some of you may in fact possess spiritual gifts that I do not possess. Maybe none of the pastors possess. Some of you may be workers of miracles or possess the gift of interpretation of tongues. By miracles, scripture is not just referring to miraculous healings, but also miracles overriding so-called the normal laws of physics, such as feeding of the 5,000. We've seen Jesus do that in the Gospels. We have also seen how Philip, in the book of Acts, he teleported from one place to another. Or in the Old Testament, Elisha caused an axe head to float on water. These are miracles of a different nature. They override the laws of physics. Now, if anyone thinks that these are just, you know, ancient stories, I want to encourage you to read this book called Heavenly Men by Paul Hathaway, which documents the remarkable stories of Brother Win and his modern-day miracles. Just to let you know that the, these miracles continue to happen in the church scene today. Maybe not so much here, but it's still available in the church scene today. So here, I also wish to clarify why I often push us to pray for the sick. It's not because I believe that all of us possess the gift of healing. But I find that if the ministry of healing is only exercised by the pastor and a handful of prayer ministers, many of us may never discover this gift that God has given to us. More importantly, praying for the sick is an act of compassion and love on our part. Even if there's no guarantee of the outcome, we must choose to show compassion and love. Now, in the area of healing or any of these charismatic spiritual gifts, what I'm trying to do really is to stir all of you up as God's people and get you to participate in extending God's kingdom together. You see, I don't want to produce a people who are dependent on me as a pastor. I want to produce a people who are dependent on God on God's Spirit, yourselves, as God's people. By the time God appoints me out of Amokyo Church, my prayer is that this Amokyo body has been strengthened by my ministry in the Lord. All of you begin to exercise your spiritual gifts for the common good. And so if there is a perceived so-called charismatic push, it's really driven by my deep belief that the Holy Spirit has given to all of us believers collectively 
all the spiritual gifts necessary for Christian living and ministry. Too many Christians have this wrong belief that the pastors are the ones, the only ones called to do spiritual work. At best, maybe the pastoral team members. And even then, maybe some cell leaders and local preachers. But that's still a wrong belief. It's a totally unbiblical thought. Scripture says, all of us are the priesthood of God and the Holy Spirit has given us gifts to everyone because we are all part of the body of Christ. And so my job as a pastor is really to counter such wrong thinking and to activate all of us to participate in God's kingdom work together. More importantly, I see the call to evangelism, discipleship, giving, and praying for the sick really as the fundamental duty of all believers. Surely we will recognize and agree that not all of us are called to be evangelists, as in the office of an evangelist, but all of us are called to evangelism. Same with the, you know, the duty of giving. Not all of us has this spiritual gift of giving generously, but all of us are called to the duty to give God's tithes and our offerings. In the same way, I see praying for the sick. Sure, not every one of us has the gift of healing, but it's the duty of every Christian to pray for the sick. So as 1 Corinthians 12 says, not everyone has all the spiritual gifts. And so I don't expect everyone to have the gift of healing, but I expect everyone to show compassion and love by praying for the sick. So I always tell the prayer ministers, you know, you may not guarantee the person you prayed for is healed, but you must guarantee that the person who is prayed for feels loved. We cannot guarantee the outcome of our prayer, but we can guarantee that we show love in our action in the way that we pray. Surely the love of Christ must also compel us to pray for the sick, just as the love of Christ compels us to share the gospel. One little thing I do with my children, whenever we see the ambulance drive past, I always pause, stop them. Whatever we're doing, let's say a prayer for the person in the ambulance. That's a simple way I teach my children to show compassion and to begin to pray for the sick. So next week, 1 Corinthians 13, we will talk more about love. For now, when it comes to exercising spiritual gifts, I think we need to recognize it's a process of discovery and learning to use these gifts well. Sometimes, you know, when I watch sports, whether it's the Olympics or when uh, Nadal just beat Djokovic at Italian Open, I always wonder, how did these people know that they're so good at it? How did they know? I mean, it's not just sports, you know, it can also apply to music, arts, or any every, every other field in life, really. How did people discover that they were so good in that area? I came to the conclusion that first, it's about giving a broad exposure. Try out different things. Try, 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 try. And then finally, you discover something that you are gifted in. And then that's when you begin to drill deep and train hard to use the area well. So similarly, how would you know that you don't have a particular gift or you have a particular gift if you do not try and have this broad exposure? How will you know if you never lay hands on the sick enough for the healing to happen? Now, if, what, if the pastor was the only one doing all the ministry of healing, 99% of the church would never ever discover this gift of healing. But if I keep pushing and everyone begins to take a step of faith, surely 10, 20% of you will discover that you too have this gift of healing. And for me, that is heartening. I don't expect everyone to have the gift, 
But I expect everyone to pray and to try and to discover these gifts, whatever gifts they may be. So again, hear my heart as your pastor. I want all of us as the body of Christ together, activated to use all our spiritual gifts for the common good. I truly believe the Holy Spirit has distributed, as the scripture says, all the spiritual gifts for each local church in order for the ministry to be done. So we all need to step out and try. Don't let those gifts remain latent. And by trying, I mean at least 20, 30 times or even more. I mean, which child learns to walk in the first few attempts? No, right? They all learn by falling down and many, many times. So I too believe, you know, it takes time, a lot of time, in fact, for all of us to discover and to learn our, to use our spiritual gifts well. In fact, I think it probably takes an even longer time after you discover where your spiritual gift is to learn to hone it and to train to use it even better. So one last point on praying for the sick. We probably know the proverbial starfish story. We cannot save every starfish, but for everyone who is healed, it makes a difference to that person. So may the love of Christ compel us to pray for the sick. Let's come back to the spiritual gifts. Let's take another example of the need to try in order to discover the gifts. And this is one of those gifts that probably the most elusive of all, the interpretation of tongues. Somehow you are able to understand another language even though you have never studied it or heard about it. Now, the thing is, if none of us ever pray in tongues, and all of us simply pray in tongues in private, I mean, we never pray in tongues in the open, we, ne- we only pray in tongues in, the pri- in private, who will know that they possess the gift of interpretation of tongues? Sure, in 1 Corinthians 14, we will see in two weeks' time, Paul does advise against speaking in tongues, you know, during public worship, but it doesn't prohibit praying in tongues when small groups of Christians gather together for prayer and intercession. And these are the kinds of occasions, I believe, when there is opportunity to actually discover this elusive gift and perhaps to hear God's prophetic word given through somebody who is praying in tongues and someone else who is interpreting in tongues. But if all of us simply stop praying in tongues except in private, we will probably never ever discover that gift unless somehow God gives you both the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues together. So my point is that we all must learn to encourage each other Step out in faith so that we can learn to discover our spiritual gifts. Yes, we all have different spiritual gifts, but these spiritual gifts are given by the same Holy Spirit for the common good. Coincidentally, or by divine providence, today is also Pentecost Sunday, where we remember how the Holy Spirit came upon the believers on the day of Pentecost. I know watching this sermon from the comfort of your homes probably isn't the most ideal environment, but God really is no respecter of place or persons. If our hearts are right, there really is nothing stopping us to receive a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, either during this service or during your own quiet time in the course of the week. Let us just hunger for more of the Holy Spirit that we may continue to grow as the body of Christ. Second point, Different functions, but same concern. The first point was different gifts, but same spirit. Here, verses 12 to 26 says we may have different functions, but we need to have the same concern for each other. One of the common problems I think many young parents face, uh, Louis has also shared about this. You know, I face at home is this 
incessant comparison between my two children on who gets more of one thing uh, versus the other person, you know, who gets more tangible stuff like food or intangible stuff like more free time to do their own stuff. So, you know, the common complaint by our children are something like, Coco has it, I also want. Meme has it, I also want. Not fair, I also want. So, what I often have to remind my children is this. At the end of the day, we are one family. Can you stop comparing? Just learn to celebrate with each other and enjoy whatever you have. Enjoy each other as family. But as I think about it, I realize actually it's not just the children who complain and whine, right? Adults do it too. And so do Christians. Otherwise, why would the book of 1 Corinthians be written? Obviously, they were doing that too. And that's why Paul had to write verses 12 to 26 to them. He says, and I paraphrase, Look, the body is made up of many parts, but it is still one body. We have all been baptized by the Spirit into one body. We are one family. Verses 20, 12 to 26. We, we have read it long. If you've been in church long enough, you have read it many times. It's a familiar passage. And sometimes we lose the humor because we think we know it so well. Paul says, Look, because the food compares and complains, I'm not a hand. Doesn't stop, doesn't make it stop being a part of the body. Neither can I say to the hand, I don't need you. That's ridiculous, right? We all know we need our hands to scratch that itchy spot between our toes. <laughs> so we are one body. St. Augustine had a humorous way to put this across. The senses, referring to the eyes, the nose, the mouth, they have a superior location in the head. But if the feet did not carry them, the parts with the most exalted place in the body will be lying on the ground. Imagine your head rolling on the ground. That's how Augustine understood it. Now, those of us who go through national service will probably be familiar with this phrase, I power. I power. You know, as men, corporal, you know, lower rank men, we cannot stand it when we are working very hard, you know, to clean the punk, you know, pack the store, and someone just stands there, higher rank than us, just stands there exercising eye power. That is, they don't put their hands to work alongside, but they just supervise from afar. As I grow older, while I still don't like people who exercise only eye power, I do see the value of taking a broader perspective at times. Sometimes we can be so focused in our work, the work that is before us, that we miss the forest for the tree. So one of the implications of being pastor in church is that I must now, from time to time, learn to step aside and consider the forest and other perspectives. Although my first love has really been to do ministry on the ground, but because of my position, I'm forced to exercise more eye power than I like to. Well, I comfort myself with the fact that the eye is very important when you're trying to hammer the nail onto the wall. That's when your eye power is really needed. But back to this passage, whether it's because of spiritual pride, because of the deferring spiritual gifts, or simply because of the snobbish behavior of the rich at the Lord's Supper, the Corinthians were clearly jealous and divisive. So Paul had to step in, step in, reprimand them. Look, remember, recognize that you are members of one body. As one body, you need to remember this important lesson that everyone is equally important. 
everyone is equally important. Look specifically at verses 22 to 26. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now here, let me paraphrase John Chrysostom, an important early church father who served as Archbishop of Constantinople, and he lived around 347, 349 to 407 AD. So for him, when Paul speaks of the weaker, so-called less honourable member of the body, he's referring to the feet. In ancient days, the feet get dirty all the time. Not honourable at all to be the feet. But it is precisely the feet that get special care. Because when you visit someone, the slaves, the servants will come around and wash your feet. So even though it is so-called less honourable, they are the ones given the special treatment. And then he goes on to give this wonderful analogy. When the thorn, when you step on something sharp, your feet is pierced by the thorn, the whole body feels it, right? The back bends over, the abdomen and the legs join in, the hands, they run forward like bodyguards, they remove the thorn, and the head bows down, and the eyes look on with great concern. As a result, even if the foot is at first at a, at a disadvantage, because it cannot raise itself up, it is now made equal by the lowering of the head and enjoys equal honour and concern. That's a beautiful analogy, how we are all part of one body. So that's how you know we understand if one member suffers, everyone suffers together. But if one member is honoured, how do we all rejoice together? Maybe this next illustration will help you. I just preached at a wedding on Saturday, just last Saturday. Although the bride and groom, they wear their wedding rings on the forefinger, on the left hand, does it mean only this finger and this hand is honoured? No, obviously not. The entire being is honoured. Can the right hand say, ah, yeah, I'm not honoured, you're only the left hand is honoured because the ring is on the left hand? I mean, he can make that statement, but does it really make sense? No. When one part of the body is honoured, the entire body rejoices and celebrates together. And so if we truly understand this principle, that we are the body of Christ together, that every part is equally important, even though they have different functions, each of us may have differing spiritual gifts, but we find our same source in the Holy Spirit, and let all of us learn to rejoice with those who rejoice, to suffer with those who suffer. Each one of us using our spiritual gifts to comfort and to build up the church. Very trick, uh, three quick practical applications for us. How can we live this truth out? Number one, let's be careful about criticisms. And now, not in our modern generation, how we type what we say, especially to each other in the body of Christ. Let us not be too flippant and thoughtless 
when we say certain things or type certain things. Yes, you may think that it's genuinely helpful, but make sure you check your motives first and be careful about giving criticisms. Number two, on the other hand, we need to be generous about giving praise. Yes, we want to hold back when we give criticisms, not that we cannot ever speak the truth in love, but let's think through carefully how we say it in such a way that really builds up. But when it comes to praises, let's be generous. Be generous about praising, rejoicing, appreciating your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And number three, we need to be inclusive, not exclusive. We don't want to be like the eye that says to the hand, I don't need you. You know, we don't want to be do- doing that at all. We, we want, instead, we want to be inclusive, not exclusive, as best as we can to include people into our fold. So there's three, three quick practical applications for us. So to summarize today's lesson, the first point we learn is this. There may be different gifts, but it comes from the same spirit, and the spirit is undivided. So let us not compare. Number two, we have different functions but we need to show the same concern across the board. Let me close with these two final exhortations. You know, the pastors of the church are often like the face of a watch, which people typically see, but people often forget how many small mechanisms there are inside the watch in order for the face of the watch to tell the time accurately. Pastors often get the credit or blame, depending on how you see it, right? But in reality, if anything is done well, it's always because it's a team ministry. Always team ministry. However, at the same time, I must add that for those of you who think that the pastor's job is just to preach the word of God, you are in severe error. If anyone wants to come into ministry thinking the pastor's job is so easy, just preach every Sunday, Please don't enter the ministry. Please, I bet you don't. <laughs> it's a lot more than that. But at the same time, it's always team ministry. Second, another analogy. The pastors are like, you know, the mega beams in the truss or bridge structure, which often bear the greatest load in ministry. Especially this COVID, the amount of pressure, you know, to make decisions is tremendous. So I really appreciate all the support and press from many of you. Yet, having said that, people again neglect how many screws, nuts, and bolts are needed to hold this superstructure in place. People often think only of the load-bearing part of the pastors. They carry a lot of load, which is true, but yet every bolt and nut is equally important. And so every part of the body of Christ is equally important, from pastors to staff to LCC to ministry members to the regular worshipper. And so the care we show, for example, to the admin team, to the pastoral team members, is just as important to the care shown to the pastors. The care we show to the cell member who seems to be languishing in his or her faith is just as important to the care shown to the ministry team member who who serves faithfully. The honour given to the people who serve quietly behind the scenes must be equal to the people who represent Amokyo to the public. When a bereavement happens to one of our members, the whole CG grieves alongside. When a CG member finds a new job after retrenchment, everyone rejoices. Oh, by the way, don't forget that we still have a temporary COVID relief fund for those of you in great uh, dire straits uh, because of this COVID season. Once again, please feel free to write in to us. 
So there are so many ways I can illustrate this point. But my point is, is that we need to show equal concern for each other as the body of Christ. We started this sermon with Captain Planet and the Planeteers. But for us, a lot more is at stake because it's Christ and the Christians. Christ and the Christians. We must all utilize our unique spiritual gifts by the power that is given by the Holy Spirit so that the body of Christ functions fully and by the name and the name of Jesus Christ will always be lifted high. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word to us. Lord, we pray and ask for forgiveness for the many times we have forgotten the big picture, that we have neglected to care for one another or we have exalted one body part above another or exalted one spiritual gift above another. Father, we pray, you send us your Holy Spirit afresh. Cause us to awake, to be awakened in our spirits and activate our spiritual gifts. Renew our minds and change our hearts that truly we may learn to serve one another using the gifts you have given to us for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.